0: The Hamlet Podcast. Hello. This special episode is coming to you at the end of November 2023, 400 years after the publication of Shakespeare's first folio. By any reckoning, it is one of the most influential books ever printed. Less than a thousand copies were made, and less than 300 of these are known to survive today. Particularly during our journey through Hamlet, there were frequent references to the folio text of the play. But what is a folio, and why is this one, the first one as it is known, so important? For starters, Shakespeare wasn't involved at all. Shakespeare died in 1616, and seven years later two of his actor colleagues decided that his works should be published one might think that this should have been an easy enough thing to arrange. The plays presumably belonged to the company and could be gathered and ordered and published. Far from it. Some of Shakespeare's plays were already in print, and so the ownership of the right to copy them, and that's where copyright comes from, already belonged to other stakeholders the task of collecting all of Shakespeare's plays wasn't as simple as digging up scripts. Permission had to be sought, wrangled, and even fought over. Not only that, there were already different versions of some of the texts, and of course the playwright was dead and could not contribute anything like a definitive version. The task was a big one. Nearly 40 plays in multiple genres. This was going to be a big book. Even today the complete works of Shakespeare, insofar as we can ever give this name to any collection, is a hefty volume. But in the 1620s paper was a luxury commodity and books were nowhere near as common as they are today. Printing a book that compiled this much material across over 900 pages was an extravagant idea and it took a huge amount of enthusiasm and perseverance to make it happen. So, what is a folio? The word itself comes from Latin, and then Italian, and means a leaf or a sheet of paper. A book that is printed in folio means one that has only a single fold. So, it's a large leaf of paper which would be folded down the middle, creating then four printable pages. Other printing options increased this number of folds. We are also familiar with the word quarto, which was a sheet that had two folds, dividing each side into four printable pages. Adding another fold, you would get octavo, which has eight. Printing in folio was the prestige option, a sign of expense and an indication of no small importance. The Gutenberg Bible is printed in folio, although, rather like this collection of Shakespeare's works, it has two columns of text per page even for these important pieces, paper was still very expensive. The two actors who had the profligate, crazy idea of publishing all of these plays together as a folio were John Hemmings and Henry Condal. We don't know an enormous amount about their acting lives, but they were both integral members of the Lord Chamberlain's men, later the King's men, and would have spent their professional lives acting in new plays by Shakespeare, Ben Jonson, and many others. One intriguing detail is that Hemmings seems to have been the liaison with the master of the revels, so he might have been something like the producer that arranged their royal performances, and it was to him that the money was sent, according to the records. I wish I could give you juicy details of who these two actors might have played in their various Shakespeare productions, but alas, what little we know is very sketchy. Their names were always high on the list, usually after Richard Burbage, but it's hard to know much more. Lucy Munro has written a brilliant book in the Arden Shakespeare in the Theatre series all about the King's Men, and it has as much detail about the acting life of Shakespeare's company as you can find anywhere. Condell and Hemmings will be remembered far more for their book than for the characters that they originated. This madcap notion to publish all of these plays must have seemed a bit strange. Shakespeare had died several years earlier. Even as I think back to shows I myself worked on in 2016, I have to confess that they are a little hazy in my mind. I know that we are beset these days by a staggering increase in information. But it's really amazing to think of these men attempting to reconstruct and collect all of these plays that they had worked on, in a world when there was so, so much less printing and paper and documentation. The plays they collected came, understandably, from a variety of sources. Some came from prompt books from the theatre and others from manuscripts. Some came from published quarto texts of the plays that had made it into print already, One of the most complicated of all of them is Hamlet. As we so often encountered while we've made our progress through the play, there are different versions of the script. We have a variety of previously published quarto editions of the play, most influential of which is Q2, the second quarto. There's also one called the Bad Quarto. And then there's the text that shows up in the folio, which cuts some elements from Q2 but adds various others. There is no authoritative text, so any interaction we have with the play will demand that we make our own choices between quartos and particularly the folio text. And it's not just Hamlet. King Lear and Othello likewise vary considerably from other quarto editions. There's something intriguing about this. You can imagine these actors remembering the play as they performed it and perhaps altering the text to reflect the play as they performed it rather than what was in an earlier quarto. Of course, this is just speculation. It's really hard to say that the folio has an absolute authority since, as we know, Shakespeare himself was not involved in the collection of these plays. Most intriguingly, and maybe closer to quote-unquote authority, some of the folio plays were put together from the curiously named Foul Papers. These were Shakespeare's actual working drafts. Foul is used to differentiate from fair copies, which were clean and correct and ready for distribution. Fair and foul has a totally different meaning here than we've been talking about in Macbeth. And speaking of, if it wasn't for the folio, we wouldn't have a copy of Macbeth at all it is among several plays that had never been published before 1623 in the first folio. Just to give you a sense of how important this book is, imagine a world in which none of the following plays survived. The Tempest, the Two Gentlemen of Verona, Measure for Measure, The Comedy of Errors, As You Like It, The Taming of the Shrew, All's Well That Ends Well, Twelfth Night, The Winter's Tale, King John, Henry VI, Part I, Henry Eighth, Coriolanus, Timon of Athens, Julius Caesar, Antony and Cleopatra, Cymbeline and Macbeth. About half of the plays we know by Shakespeare wouldn't have reached us if they weren't published in this book. It's mind-boggling to think of that. At the time, of course, it was, dare I say it, just a book. A fancy collector's edition of some lovely plays by a very fine writer who was, sadly, no longer with us. The book is known to us as the first folio because, as you might guess, others followed. Over the next sixty years or so, the trade flourished, so that second, third and fourth folios followed, other plays were added, including Pericles, the major oversight omission from the first folio. The other plays, all attributed to Shakespeare at the time, include The London Prodigal, Lucrene, Sir John Oldcastle, Thomas Lord Cromwell, and A Yorkshire Tragedy. None of these is still attributed to Shakespeare alone, but if you'd like a deep dive into these kinds of mysteries, the Shakespeare Apocrypha page on Wikipedia is a great place to start and it has even more stories to tell. Nowadays, if you want to buy a copy of the first folio, you might have a hard time. There are about 230 known copies, and about a third of these are at the amazing Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington DC. Understandably, a folio is far more than just a collector's item. It's a major piece of cultural history there are copies owned in libraries and universities across the world, and of course, several are on display this year for the 400th anniversary of the print run that created them. In 2016, the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's death, two copies of the first folio resurfaced and sold for astonishing sums of money. If I were a billionaire, I would certainly toy with the idea of owning one, even for the excitement of it. But I fear I'd be more concerned about the storage and security and proper care. They never really just belong to one of us, but to all of humanity. So I might buy one, but I'd probably give it back. The Shakespeare authorship question has made its way into public discourse in a variety of ways, not least in the bombastic film Anonymous that came out in 2011, Mark Rylance actually plays Henry Condell in the film, and the reconstruction of his performance in Henry V is the best part of the whole enterprise. It's worth watching the film just for that little moment. But what about this great story of the folio and its creation? Sadly, there isn't a film yet, but there is quite a lovely play. The Book of Will by Lauren Gunderson reconstructs the passion and the frustration that went into collecting the plays and remembering their author. It's a very charming piece, particularly its moving final scene in which the actors travel to Stratford to present a copy of their book to Shakespeare's widow, Anne Hathaway. Gunderson's great achievement is to let us see that these actors, editors, copyright holders, and profiteers are all people, too living professional lives in a busy world. Less than a decade after his death, Shakespeare's shadow looms large even then, and his friend's eager efforts to protect his legacy are very touching. For this anniversary year, there have been some intriguing efforts to mark this big book's birthday. The sole copy of the book in Ireland, housed at Trinity College in Dublin, has been fully digitised and made available to view online an entire website has been created at folio400.com that's folio and then the number is 400.com where you can read more about the history of the book everyone involved in its creation and most intriguing explore a digital map that shows where in the world the surviving folios are believed to be one final contribution is a 400th birthday republication of Professor Emma Smith's book about the First Folio from the Oxford University Press. It's called Shakespeare's First Folio, Four Centuries of an Iconic Book, and is surely the most exhaustive, meticulous work you can find on the subject. It is a biography of a book, full of stories and analysis of this landmark of world literature. And I have a copy of it to give away. So, If you'd like it, get in touch and tell me your favourite play in the first folio. I'll put all the responses into a digital hat and draw a winner who will get this lovely book in the post. If you're interested in seeing what the folio itself actually looks like, you can find multiple resources online or even buy a facsimile copy. I am very happy to have a version of the first folio on my bookshelf, but it's a relief to know that it's not authentic or in need of scientific care or indeed security. It's a little miracle that Hemmings and Condell had the idea to preserve so many of their friends' plays like this. We are all the richer for it, and let's hope these plays continue to inspire and entertain for at least another 400 years.